Hello, and welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W. Keith Timms, writer and podcaster, creator of The Book of Constellations. In this show, I listen to the first episode of an audio drama, then have a discussion with the creators about the show, their methods, their struggles, and successes. Today, we're discussing the first episode of Inspector. Do you suspect your partner is leaving you for a succubus? Do you believe the blood bank you work at is secretly run by vampires? Did I rip off this advertisement from Ghostbusters? Yes, I did, because fuck those guys. If any of these apply to you, except the Ghostbusters thing, then give me a call. I'm Calvin Westover, paranormal investigator. As a ghost, I'm highly trained in dealing with supernatural beings. For more information, dial 555-INSPECTOR. But Spectre is spelt like, like a ghost. Get it? Because I'm a ghost? Forget it, just dial the damn number. Inspector is a supernatural comedy created by Ed Bakta. It follows a former detective and current ghost, Calvin Westover, who decides to stick around for a bit before passing on, working as a paranormal investigator to solve crimes of a supernatural nature, aided by his unpaid intern, Arthur. Filled with jokes, puns, and double entendres, Bakta first launched Inspector in 2019, before he had to stop for a while. The show was relaunched in October of last year and is approaching the end of its first season. Inspector is a one-man show, with Bakta writing, producing, and doing all the voices. The show's episodes are each only ten minutes long. The first episode, Werewolf It Down, introduces us to Calvin and Arthur as they investigate missing animals from a zoo. The second and third episodes, Y'all Yeti for This and A Bite Out of Crime, begin a continuing story involving Calvin's ex-wife, a witch named Sam, who is accused of a crime. I spoke to Ed remotely from his home in Boston. Tell me a little bit about yourself uh, as an artist and creator of Inspector. I'm Ed. I have sort of a podcasting background, more so an indie podcasting background. Um, I've been doing it since 2015 in some form or another. I used to do like a quote-unquote traditional podcast where it's like two people kind of chatting about a certain topic. Um, it was about failed TV shows. That was uh, unaired, right? Correct. Yep. During the course of unaired, I have tried to dip my toe into audio drama. The first kind of unsuccessful attempt, uh, it was called Dot Con, and it was based off of a feature length script that I wrote for a screenwriting class. Turns out, a little hard to adapt that into an audio medium when a lot of the jokes are kind of like slapsticky humor that relies on visual things. Right. <laughs> that is always a challenge. After that, I started Inspector. I think around 2018 is when I started writing it. I really kind of dipped in and out of it until 2019 when I actually started producing it. And after two episodes, uh, life kind of got in the way. So I pushed it aside. Then... You know, it lingered there in the back of my mind. I was always thinking about it, thinking of like jokes, storylines, and I just started it back up in October. I think it was actually exactly two years after it originally premiered. Your background, you said you took a screenwriting class. Do you have a, a background in, in writing? Um, so I have a degree in communications mm -hmm. with a concentration in media technologies which uh, is just a way of saying your school doesn't have a film program. Um, yeah, so that's uh, kind of my background with media production in general. 
have you always been working on writing and filmmaking and things like that? Yeah. So probably about since I was roughly like 12, um, I actually got a video camera for Christmas that year. Mm. And I was a kid growing up when YouTube was just gathering steam, you know, like people like Smosh and Ryan Higa, all these people that are starting to become popular on YouTube. I was watching that and thinking as a kid, like, oh, I can do that. I have a video camera. And ever since then, I've been in some form or another trying to do something creative. So tell me about Inspector. You said you started it up, but then you had to set it aside. What was going on? So I have OCD. And every once in a while, I do this fun thing where I go, oh, my meds are working. I don't need my meds anymore. (laughs) And uh, that was one of those times. (laughs) So what brought you back to it? Just the fact that it's always kind of been in the back of my head. And I've been 2021 would have been if I didn't restart it the first year since 2015 that I didn't do anything podcast related. It just was like, poking at me almost like, hey, remember me? I'm still here. And ironically, like a ghost um, <laughs> that would not go away. <laughs> Tell me about Inspector in your own words. What is this podcast and what does it mean to you? The basic premise is that it follows a ghost who is a PI, which in this weird world means paranormal investigator. It's like a a designation that supernatural creatures get when they work with police and solve crimes. What it means to me would kind of be that it's right now my only real creative outlet. I work like a typical nine to five job, sometimes even nine to 12 on Saturdays. So that's fun. (laughs) The fact that I'm able to still do something creative and it's almost like a passion project for the most part. I mean, I I don't think like it's going to get big or anything. Like I look at the numbers. I know it's not a huge, huge thing. But to me, it's something that I've always been someone that always tries to get a laugh out of people. It's one of my funnest defense mechanisms. Um, Yeah. yeah. uh, I just really enjoy making people laugh. The fact that I'm able to write something that at least makes me laugh and put it out there. That's that's a lot for me. I guess I'm curious as to how you settled on the idea of a ghost that solves mysteries. What's the origin of that for you? I don't have like a big story behind it. It's based off the pun, Inspector. Um, <laughs> it's it's the Friday the 13th story. You know, they came out with the poster for Friday the 13th and the title before they had a story. Right. I, it was a pun that I thought of and thought it was funny and then kind of built a story around. I will say you do like puns. Uh, oh, if, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if Inspector is any indication, uh, I think you try to cram at least two or three into every episode. Oh, yeah. Puns are uh, puns are very fun. <laughs> <laughs> Did you always want to do this as an audio drama? So this specifically, I always envisioned as an audio drama. It was something that when I started writing it, I wrote it with the intent of trying to make the humor more audio based, more accessible to an audio medium. So I never really thought of it as like, oh, this could be like something like an animated project. I always kind of had the idea of, okay, this is, I'm writing this for an audio format. I have no other intentions for it. Do you do this mostly yourself? I am a one-man band. The only other person that's ever kind of been involved in it, at least in the relaunch, is um, my buddy Andy did the voice of Bigfoot Mm -hmm. in uh, episode two. Um, But all the other voices since the relaunch have been me. I do the writing, I do the editing, all that fun stuff. 
As you said, this is about a ghost detective, Calvin Westover, mm-hmm. and I've listened to the first three episodes for the purposes of our discussion, and we learned that Calvin is dead. We don't know exactly why. He is a member of the paranormal community, and he is an investigator. He sometimes works with police. The police captain is a pixie. His ex-wife is a witch. In the world you set up, there's also this tension between normal humans and paranormal There's also Arthur, who is Calvin's unpaid intern, who is a normal human. You know, you created this this idea of tension between supernatural people and ordinary people. Is this part of a long-term storytelling arc? In my head, I kind of have like a three-season story arc planned, Mm -hmm. um, and that plays into that. I think that's really interesting because you're setting up a background conflict that you can always come back to, and you can always dip into the well of that to find things that you need to add conflict to your storytelling. Oh, thank you. I don't think like too deeply sometimes into things, but that is one of the things where I was like, okay, I need to have some kind of overarching tension, overarching conflict, like you were saying. Um, The other thing I really kind of put a lot of thought into was the character of Arthur. He's more or less an idiot, Um, (laughs) uh, but I kind of did that so that way he is the audience perspective into this world because Calvin essentially has to explain everything to him. I love the bit with Arthur talking about um, the fact that he shouldn't be allowed to have a stapler near him um, because he might accidentally staple things to himself. (laughs) And then, of course, he goes off and looks for a stapler right away. It's It's very funny. Look. There's two holes right around the jugular. You're right. That means... A vampire's involved. Uh, yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna say. A vampire made these holes. Not that they accidentally stapled something to their neck. That is way too specific to be something just off the top of your head. Yeah, I accidentally stapled things to my neck before. Arthur, do you know what this means? I shouldn't be allowed near staplers without supervision. This means there's reasonable doubt. The investigation needs to be kept open, and Sam is eligible for bail. Ah, damn it. I ripped the page of that book. Now I know there's a stapler somewhere around here. (laughs) Uh, Funny enough, that actually was a improvised bit. I love that bit so much that it actually became part of his character. Um, so in the Christmas episode, he longingly looks at someone else's stapler because he wants it, but he can't have it. <laughs> um, so you've got five episodes out now, I think. Is that right? Yep. Five right now. Uh, okay. I'm currently working on the sixth. You write them ahead of time and you have the whole season already written or do you do them as you go along? And then you said you improvised something. So I'm curious as to what your process is. Essentially, I had like an outline written out back in 2019 when I originally started. And I've kind of since then modified things as I went along. I do write every episode before I like go in and record. It's for the most part a complete episode. Uh, I do play around with it sometimes. The most I've ever done that is actually with the most recent episode, episode five. There's an entire scene that wasn't in the script. But on my way home before recording, I was thinking to myself, oh, this would be funny if this happened. So I was kind of like in my car talking to myself, basically like planning out what could be the scene. There is a overarching like storyline that's kind of planned out. Yeah. Do you have several already written and then ready to record or? I would like to be a person that has it prepared before I go. It would be a lot less stressful. Um, (laughs) But no, I currently do every episode as I go along. I'll write it, record it, relax for like a day, and then go, okay, I need to get started on the next episode. What do I need to do for that? There is a secret villain who pops up 
at the end of the episodes, a sort of a mysterious master figure who has a vampire servant, which you also then milk for some more jokes. <laughs> is it done? Yes, sir. The ex-wife is now involved. Good. Wait, why are you so orange? It is a spray tan. Why the hell would you do that? You look like a freaking tangerine. Well, I can't get a real tan. It's kind of difficult for a freaking vampire to go out in the sun. How do you choose what kind of beasts and critters that you want to put in to the various shows? A lot of it is based on what kind of jokes I think of, to be honest with you. Yeah. The reason that the assistant to the overarching villain is a vampire is because I had a lot of vampire jokes ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> the first episode, uh, Werewolf It Down, is about Calvin and Arthur investigating missing animals from the zoo. Then we sort of get into the next, which is Yell Yeti for this, in which case <laughs> Calvin's ex, Sam, a witch, is in a romantic interlude with Bigfoot, um, <laughs> but she gets arrested by the police, which we then start investigating in A Bite Out of Crime, which is episode three. You did episode one originally when you first released. Is that right? Is it episode one and two or just one? Uh, it was originally one and two. I think you said you rewrote these. Not like a huge significant uh, rewrite, but I did go in and kind of tweak some things, change some jokes. And because I went in this time with more of an idea of what I wanted to do for the overall story, I dropped a few breadcrumbs in here and there. By the way, I do think I caught an updated joke in, I can't remember if it was the first or second episode. I think you made a little dig at Marjorie Taylor Greene comparing her to, was it to a witch? Uh, it was to a um, an angry warthog. <laughs> That's right. First episode, right. An angry warthog. That's right. So a little political humor there. Yeah. That uh, original joke was aimed at Roseanne Barr because that was back when uh, her whole Ambien fiasco happened. Oh, right. Well, you got to keep the material fresh. So I guess. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry about that, Calvin. Let's get back to Sam. Why would Sam go after someone who's pro-paranormal? This doesn't make any sense. I don't get it either, but we have to go with the evidence. There were traces of magic utilized at his campaign office around the time that Sam was in the area. I know that I already owe you about like 15 favors, but can you do me one more? I need you to hold off on this investigation until I get a chance to check out the crime scene. I can give you a day, but after that, I can't help you. That should be enough time. Thank you. You taking the newbie with you? Yeah, he's been pretty good so far. He's loyal. Kinda like a puppy. He's also stupid like a puppy. Hey, don't insult puppies like that. What do you like about this whole world that you've created? What is it that draws you to it and keeps you interested and, and makes you laugh? I think just the fact that it is such like a ridiculous thing, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. You watch all these shows like Ancient Aliens or something like that, and people are going, oh, you know, the Great Pyramids were built by aliens and stuff like that. It's 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 ripe for the picking. It's low-hanging fruit, and I'm not a tall man. I'll just say that. <laughs> you envision three seasons of this particular storyline, is that right? So right now, I know season one is going to have seven episodes. We're already in the end game for this. In terms of season two and three, that I haven't really bogged down yet. I'm trying to still kind of map my way through the next two seasons. Like I have the ideas. I just don't know how I'm going to get from point A to point B to point C. 
Yeah, so I think what I'm going to try and do for season two is to be a little more prepared, get it all written beforehand so I'm not scrambling, trying to write last minute. I'm going to try and see how that works out. I think it's important that we also understand that everyone has a different style and everyone approaches their storytelling differently, you know? Oh, yeah. um, uh, some people write everything and they record everything before they even begin marketing the show. Some people do a little bit of half and half where they'll write the whole thing maybe and then record it as they go. It's whatever works. I mean, you're you're putting out a show. So, I mean, that's the, the result you want. Whatever works for you as a creator is the thing that, that works. These are 10 minute episodes. Why do you like the short format? I feel like if I tried to write something longer, I would put a lot of filler in there that's kind of unnecessary. And also I have a pretty short attention span. So <laughs> yeah. not only does that work better for me in terms of how I listen to things, but also in terms of how I work on things. You mentioned that you had OCD. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. wondering if that affects your creative process. Luckily, it doesn't very much. Good. The only thing that really digs at me sometimes, and I actually have gone back and like nitpicked a little bit because I, in preparation for this, I went back and re-listened to all that was out before Christmas because I had a pretty long drive to make. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just re-listen to Inspector and like sit through, see what I think about it now that I've had a little bit of time away from the first two episodes. It's been three months, I think, since I put those out. Mm -hmm. um, and I've like, as I'm listening to it, I notice little things and I'm like, Ooh, I should have uh, spaced that out a little more. Oh, I should have put this line right in there. And I'll be honest, I did go back in and kind of like space some things out add a little line here and there. Yeah. Um, I, I did rename the file inspector episode one special 1997 George Lucas edition. Um, <laughs> did uh, Jabba the Hutt make an appearance and did Han Solo walk over his tail? <laughs> <laughs> he did. And um, and then Arthur shot first in this one. <laughs> That's great. Looking back at that first episode, how do you think you did with it? What, what were you trying to accomplish? Uh, in that first episode, I really wanted to just establish this world and for the most part, establish the characters, the mm -hmm. two main characters. I feel like I did an OK job about that. One thing that I really, really hated was the voice I originally did for Arthur, which you do hear in the first like few, like maybe minute or so yeah. of the um, first episode. And I, I couldn't stand that voice. The, the denasal nose plugged voice. Exactly. And it was actually difficult to do that voice as well. Like I would start coughing. Like I have audio <laughs> recordings of me trying to record Arthur and then just going away and going. <coughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, you know what? I could make a joke out of this. Arthur's going to get a nasal spray and it's still going to be like a nasally voice, but it's not going to be like that deep nasal voice. Like I'm just going to like kind of shut off my nasal passage. And that way I don't have to like cough up a lung every time I record. <laughs> what can I do for you? Huh. So you really are a ghost, huh? Craigslist ad wasn't all BS. I'm sorry, but before you keep talking, I need you to take this nasal spray. You sound wicked congested. <sighs> oh my god, that is so much better. That's better? Jesus. You wanted to set up the world, and I think one of the nice things you do is that you rely on the noir format to start things off with the narration by Calvin. But you also then turn that around and are able to make jokes out of it as well. You know, and I love the fact that Calvin is voiceovering, but he's apparently saying it out loud because Arthur can hear him. So, I mean, I think that's a funny little bit. Yeah, I like to think that he uh, he just sits there and does that even when no one's there. <laughs> <laughs> but don't get me wrong. I love film noir. But it is a little ridiculous when every single film war film starts out with them narrating like, and then she walked in with legs for days. Like it's, it's always the same thing. And like, it is ridiculous. 
So I kind of wanted to joke about that in the first episode. What do you struggle with creatively? One of the big things I struggle with is, you know, just sitting down and actually like typing everything out. Hmm. Like I, I always get the ideas in my head and I'll like write little notes on my phone, but then I have to sit down and like pop into Celtics and start typing. And that's, that's my least favorite part of this because I have to put my words on paper and it, to me, it feels boring because in my head, I already know how this episode is going to go. But for posterity and for when I'm recording so I don't forget anything, it's like I have to take notes almost. You've got the idea, but you've got to make it concrete now. Exactly. That's always tricky because it also forces you to take your sort of creative flow and make it into something that if you were to hand this script to someone else, they could they could interpret it. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know, it's just me doing this because that's the same thing I do with Book of Constellations, right? It, I'm like, well, I know what I want to say. But then I always find that if I don't spend the time really kind of articulating and, and writing down the things that are in my head, then it never feels polished. It never feels ready. It is the hardest part, I think, for me sometimes, too. Finally, the story clicks in my head, but now I got to really get it on the paper. And that's forcing me to be specific. Yeah, exactly. And like the way it sounds in your head, it is hard to put that into words sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. It sort of forces the right brain creativity side of you to go through the strainer of the left brain and actually come out in something concrete. Right. It almost puts it in check. Yeah. Yeah. How do you measure success? Right now, all I measure success in is if I'm able to get another episode out. To me, the fact that I came back to this after two years and made it further than I did two years ago, I already feel like it's successful. Yeah. Um, and then every episode I put out, I feel successful again because I've gone further than the last one. It's almost like the Lord of the Rings. If I take, take one more step, I'll be further from home than I've ever been. Yeah. Once I hit the end of season one, I'll feel like I've accomplished something. Well, you know, you, you've already accomplished something that a lot of people have ideas they never follow through at all. Everyone gets into podcasting and audio drama for different reasons. Some people, this is a career move. Some people, they want to get really popular. Uh, some people, it's just a creative outlet. Um, and I think all of these are valid. It's just setting up your own expectations, right? And and making sure that you're doing things for the right reasons. Actually, it took me a long time to accept that about myself. For me, it was like, that is a big thing, but my brain didn't want to acknowledge it as a big thing because I kept on looking for other ways of validating what I had been doing, right? Mm -hmm. um, when the validation should be, uh, I accomplished something I set out to do. But that's easy to say, but it's hard sometimes, I think, to get our brains to agree with that. Yeah, it definitely is. I definitely feel like most people look at the numbers and everything, and I'll admit, I look at the numbers too. Sure. I mean, who doesn't? Um, exactly. But for me, the numbers don't really matter that much. They, they're interesting to look at and be like, oh, this person in Canada listened. But I'm just glad that at the end of the day, I'm able to complete something that came from my brain, went into my computer, and is now out in the world. So is that what keeps you motivated? Oh, yeah, big time. Especially the fact that this essentially, for lack of a better term, was a failed project up until October of this past year. So it's always like in the back of my mind, like, okay, you stopped it before, you can't stop it again. Like you got to keep going. What lessons have you learned about creating an audio drama that you might want to share with other people? Well, one thing I've learned is definitely don't beat yourself up over it. It is a lot of work. Hmm. And like, even for like a 10 minute episode, like, like you mentioned my show, the episodes are 10 to 12 minutes long. That takes 
maybe three, four hours just to edit. And that's not even factoring in the recording, uh, all the effects that I have to apply to the voice, like the declicker, because <laughs> I don't know how to use a mic properly despite <laughs> doing this for five years. <laughs> but yeah, don't beat yourself up. It is a very hard, very tasking endeavor. And, you know, like you were mentioning, like a lot of people don't create things. And at the end of the day, you will have created something. Yeah. And you're right. It does take a lot of time. And that doesn't even factor in things like the time you spend on Creative Commons sites looking for sound effects or music. All the time that it takes putting all the pieces together, um, it adds up even for a short show. I think that shouldn't put people off, but I do think that it's part of the understanding that you, when you get into this, that I'm going to be putting some time in and it's okay that it takes that time uh, because I am working towards a goal and that this will be time well spent um, when the finished product is done. Exactly. Like a lot of people will see a podcast and go, oh, it's like 10 minutes long. I'll just plug in a microphone and I'll be done. But at the end of the day... <laughs> Right. There is a lot of editing, a lot of pre-production, a lot of post-production that goes into it. A lot of people struggle with the fact that it is like an echo chamber almost sometimes, like you're putting out a product into a very crowded space and it is hard to promote yourself. But at the end of the day, you still have created something, you know, there is a part of you out there. Um, and that is one thing that I really do appreciate about audio drama in general is that the community surrounding it is wicked positive and supportive. Indeed. Yeah. Even if there's something that somebody doesn't like, you don't see people posting like, oh, this is terrible. Like, I didn't like this. It's always positive comments there. Always like people supporting each other, promote, helping promote each other, honestly. Do you ever think about collaborating with other people on Inspector and in future seasons? I've thought about it. Uh, I'm not sure how in-depth I'll get to that, but I do think eventually, especially in season two, because there's only so many voices I can do, um, <laughs> right. that I might start reaching out to other people. Um, in the original run of Inspector in 2019, um, I actually had two other voice actresses that were in on roles. Um, one of the reasons that the captain is a pixie is because I can't do a female voice very well. And I basically just pitched that up completely. And that was basically my writing around my limitations. When I came back to it, I explicitly did this um, as a one-person project because I didn't want to feel like a failure and I didn't want to put other people in that position as well if things didn't pan out and I ended up getting stuck and lagging like I did the first time. Yeah. But the fact that now I'm actually you know keeping up with it, um, I'm on the verge of finishing a whole season of it. I think I will probably open that up a bit and like look for people for like cameos or like stuff like that. Yeah. But I do think you, you make a good point is you want to do a production that you have the resources to do. You want to play to your own strengths. And as you expand and as you grow and learn, then it's possible to sort of add on that. There's no rules for any of this. This is, you know, indie audio drama and everyone has a chance to use this medium to their own advantage and their own creative voice. It definitely is one of the cool things about it. Um, you know, if you look at other mediums like television, if it's not an animated show, you know, you got people that have to build a full cast. Um, and even with animated shows, for the most part, you're building a full cast. Uh, one of the things that made me feel a little better about going into this as a one-man production is like shows like Bob's Burgers, where you'll be listening to it and you'll go, oh, the guy that does Bob does that voice and that voice and that voice too. So what's next for you and for Inspector? Uh, for me, uh, I'm probably going to take a shower and go to bed. 
Um, <laughs> for Inspector, we're going to be wrapping season one within the next month or so. I have started writing episode six, and then episode seven is the season finale. And then full steam ahead to season two. I am toying around with the idea of doing like a separate project in between the seasons just to kind of help myself learn a little more about editing and different um, editing softwares. Why do you love puns so much? Puns are fun. Uh, <laughs> funny enough, the first short film I ever made was called Gesundheist about robbing a tissue magnate. And <laughs> the premise is that the guy keeps making puns in his plans and everybody just keeps getting so mad at him. You, can, you write what you know. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you said it better not be my left nostril. What you reached into was my right nostril. I didn't want to be covered in your ghost snot. Yeah, I call those oogie boogies. That's not funny. No? How about boogers? Okay, that one was actually pretty good. Producing an audio drama on one's own takes a lot of work and time. And depending on your expectations, the rewards can sometimes seem scarce. Inspector is a great example of how perseverance in doing what you love produces great results. Bakta's humor is densely packed into each short episode, and the satire of genre and the supernatural never lets up. Nor do the puns. Lots and lots of puns. You can listen to Inspector on most major podcast platforms, or see our show notes for links. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who expressed them, and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. The show's webpage is thefirstepisodeof.com. If you're an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, send an email to thefirstepisodeof at gmail.com. If you like down-to-earth sci-fi audio drama, check out my show, The Book of Constellations, wherever you get your podcasts. Keep telling stories. It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time. I know you got questions about him. Where did he come from? How did he do all those things they say he did? Was he a terrorist? Was he crazy? Was his skin really blue? Well, I'll tell you what I know. I was there with him, driving through the back roads under the stars. I was witness to wonders and miracles, and to the darkness that's coursing through the veins of our country. He came to fight it in his own strange way, but no one leaves that fight unchanged. Not even Rael. People ought to know the truth. And I was there. The Book of Constellations is a down-to-earth sci-fi road trip. It's audio fiction, and you can find episodes at bookofconstellations.com or wherever you get your podcasts.